0: Support for Eagles Enemies is brought to you by our friends at Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience, just like we're providing you this podcast for the best analysis for each Eagles game every week. And that's why manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved lawnmower 3.0 and 18 months guys is about how long it took Howie Roseman to kind of assemble this team to what we have now. And you know what we're dealing with? Uh, are Manscaped's third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin-safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. And, I mean, if Manscaped could offer some of that advanced skin-safe technology to patch up the Eagles' offensive line, that would be fantastic. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes, so one-and-a-half football games, so you can take a longer shave. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower, and one of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor, which is the equivalent to how fast Jalen Rager runs on the field every single week, with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by the simple power source of USB. If you are listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours, get 20% off, and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. That's right, I said get 20% off and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code USP. Let's get into another edition of Eagles Enemies, presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia. Reach out, it could be better than a fantasy. I got my levels out of place last night. Was a long one. Looking for a quick fix. Looking for a shortcut. But if I want a game player uh, for the long run, what do I bring to the table? Say, dumb luck. There's a good chance the last thing I pick up will show up in my sleep and crash on my dream with some shit I want to be. Because it's not what I'm proud of. Some heaviness, some pettiness, some things I'm ashamed of. All right, Eagles fans, another week and another loss. Welcome in to another edition of Eagles Enemies right here on Underground Sports Philadelphia. KB hanging with you in Underground Studios, and I am lucky enough to be joined by the one and only Kyle Barber of SB Nations Baltimore Beatdown. He joined us last preseason, announced the regular season where the games actually count, and we'll get to see the one and only Lamar Jackson at Lincoln Financial Field. Welcome back to the show, Kyle.
1: I am thrilled to be here. One KB hanging out with another.
0: Exactly. It It's it's one of those special moments when we get to have you on the show, because not only are our initials the same, we're both Kyles, and we are the good kind of Kyles, not the ones that the internet makes memes of for Drinking Monster and bashing our heads through a wall.
1: I'm really upset because I had to introduce my girlfriend to those memes, because we were talking about names that have jokes like Karen and, and, and the like, and I was like, yeah, it's really unfortunate about the Kyle ones, and she said, what Kyle ones? And I should have just kept my mouth oh, shut. Oh, <laughs> man.
0: <laughs> well, the the other joke that we get to talk about is this Philadelphia Eagles team that gets to take on the Baltimore <laughs> Ravens. Uh, the Eagles are 1-3-1 and one after losing a, a winnable game against your division rival Pittsburgh Steelers uh, in Week 5. And the Baltimore Ravens, they're they're looking pretty good. Still clicking that defense looks tremendous, as they did against the Cincinnati Bengals in Week 5. Give me your assessment so far of, uh, you know, these Baltimore Ravens and how you think they've played through the first five weeks of the season.
1: Stop me if you've heard this before, but the Ravens' defense looks pretty good. (laughs) They boast multiple all-pros at cornerback. They got a decent pass rush. They love to blitz, and they got a group of linebackers that seem to be making just enough plays to score some defensive touchdowns. It is awfully familiar to the Ravens of old and they have a little bit of swagger to them uh, similar to what we've seen in previous years. Marlon Humphrey, uh, I assume at some point we'll be getting to him but I'm going to start up he looks every bit as worth as the contract he just received. This is he just finished his third straight game forcing a fumble and two of which have been uh, reco- well excuse me uh, one was recovered by uh, L.J. Ford, a couple weeks back, scored a touchdown. Uh, LJ Fort, the one Indeed so. The, the one, one that, that very away. much got away. <laughs> and and uh, last week, uh, LA, former LSU linebacker Patrick Queen uh, sacked, and, and, well, he ended up scooping up the Marlon Humphrey uh, forced fumble and ran it back for a 53-yard touchdown. So the Ravens are finding ways to score, and it's not always needed through the offense.
0: Yeah, let's talk about Patrick Queen because he was an absolute steal for you guys in the draft. The, the fact that he fell to where he did and just lands right in, you know, linebacker country of the Baltimore Ravens was absolutely absurd. Uh, he looks every bit of the part of an NFL linebacker, you know, living up to the hype. How have you kind of assessed the way he's played to, you know, start his young NFL career?
1: I think he's played a brilliant set of games. There was only one in which he looked lost, and unsurprisingly, it was against the Kansas City Chiefs, who pulled out all the stops. I mean, you you know for a fact Andy Reid had that game circled on his calendar, and they utilized Clyde Edwards' lair and attacked Queen repeatedly with, different screen looks, different routes, different combinations, different packages, because they knew that was the weakness of the defense. It's not that he's a weak player by any stretch. It's just he's, un- he's an unfamiliar territory. He's an NFL linebacker. He had few starts at LSU. And while he's incredibly talented and skilled and hardworking – uh, you you can only learn some lessons the hard way and that's the way that it had to go for Patrick Queen outside of that he's played a brilliant set of games he's made some great stops he's already got a couple of sacks he's got a touchdown on his you know as a rookie and i'd argue he should be leading for defensive rookie of the year at this point
0: yeah he looks sensational and the rest of this defense like we mentioned earlier looks fantastic and I think it all starts with Marlon Humphrey. You know, he gets paid. He looks fantastic. Uh, You know, just doing everything you want in a franchise defensive back. Pair him with Marcus Peters, Jimmy Smith. Arguably one of the best secondaries, I'd say, in the entire NFL.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Through five games, he has an interception. He's got five passes defended. He's forced three fumbles. He has one and a half sacks, 28 solo tackles. I mean, he's, he's flying around on the football field right now. He's been the most targeted cornerback in the NFL, according to the CBS broadcast. He's been the most targeted cornerback. And that sounds scary because obviously you don't want a, a cornerback that's getting thrown at so much. But he has yet to allow a touchdown in these five games. And he's and, and in five games, he's forced four takeaways He's really buzzing around there and I'd argue he should be a part of the defensive player of the year conversation. It's, it sounds cocky. It sounds like I'm biased as all hell, but in five games, you got a player with four takeaways. You got him with a sack and a half. You got him with a bunch of solo tackles, making the, you know, yet to allow a touchdown. That's exactly what you want from your cornerback. And And even a linebacker at times or an edge rusher to get some sacks, get some forced fumbles. But he's doing it as a cornerback and excellently and brilliantly has he played through the 2020 season.
0: So now him getting thrown at the most of of defensive backs, you would think that teams are starting to learn that you can't throw at Marlon Humphrey anymore.
1: Mm -hmm. It, It feels like you can't. Throw near him anymore because of the forced fumbles. He's he's literally just grabbing guys and he's punching them out. The Charles Tillman peanut punch. He's done it week after week this season. Uh, it started last year in 2019 against Juju Smith Schuster, and it it was not a unique play. It's become a, a a tool that he's using every single game to knock the football loose, to strip it loose, whatever he can do. So even if you're just not throwing at him, throwing it near where he can find an angle to make a tackle is is becoming something i assume offensive coordinators are a little bit fearful of because of the possibility that Humphrey's going to get that ball away from your players.
0: It's it's insane. And then to to top this whole thing off, you get a, you know, veteran leader via trade in the offseason in Calais Campbell, uh, just, you know, highly respected around the league. Uh, and he's still doing it, you know, at, at his age and, you know, playing at a, an extremely high level. What have you seen from Calais Campbell, you know, in this Ravens defense that he's kind of, you know, helped be a, a glue guy and yet still playing at a very high level for his position?
1: Yeah, Calais Campbell's looked pretty good. Uh, I did expect more sack production from him, to be honest. Uh, he hasn't looked like this dominant interior pass rusher who's just creating pressures and, and getting to the quarterback in the gaudy sack numbers, which Calais Campbell in his career has had, you know, uh, including this season. He's up to 89 sacks in his career, and and you know that's what he's he's hunting down is the triple digit. Uh, he even said it in some of the uh, mic'd up, uh, wired episodes for the Ravens. Uh, but overall, he's done an excellent job of getting into the passing lanes. You have five passes defensed or five passes deflected. As an interior offensive lineman through five games, he's getting in the passing lanes. He was the reason for Marlon Humphrey's interception in in the first week. He ju- he was dropped into coverage, which is absolutely wild to consider as as he's a defensive lineman dropped into coverage, tipped the pass, and Marlon Humphrey's the one who scooped it up. Uh, he looks good. He like you said is that veteran presence glue guy. A lot of people are leaning on him and. I believe the double teams have been working on him and, and allowing for other rushers and other blitzers to uh, make the bigger splash plays with the, with the stats, but he's being involved on those plays as well.
0: Now, Monday night football, we saw, you know, the alleged Swiss army knife, you know, finally get a play that worked, but let's talk about a real Swiss army knife, Pat Ricard, pullback defensive lineman, massive guy, uh, just does it all scores touchdowns and just plays both sides of the ball. This is a type of player that I think with Harbaugh's, you know, special teams background just loves getting involved in any type of play possible.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We've spoken with Ricard on uh, the Baltimore beatdown podcast and he talks about just what most Football players, I, I would venture to guess, would say is by any chance of being capable of getting on the field, they're going to do it. Doesn't matter what position, doesn't matter what's asked of them. They want to be on the field and they want to and they want to play and 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 be employed by the NFL by any means necessary. Ricards looked excellent in his run blocking ability. He scored a touchdown. He's got you know he's got one rushing touchdown. I believe he has a receiving one, and uh, he, he's looking solid, looking sharp. Really like what I've seen from him and uh, hope to see him a little bit more involved uh, through the rest of the season. The Ravens really love utilizing a fullback that is capable of catching the passes as well as running and run blocking, pass blocking. They want a multi-tooled athlete in that backfield to pair with Lamar Jackson because you can hand it off to the guy, you can throw to him, and they can block upfield for him or they can protect him from people coming downhill and like you said that's ricard and that's what the ravens love and the fans certainly love about pat ricard
0: he brought him up earlier the one that got away and he he voiced his opinion when uh you know he was let go by the eagles on social media talking about how he's in a place that actually appreciates him now lj fort man he's he's just so damn good and i hate Mm -hmm. that this Eagles team just, you know, signed him and then didn't give him a shot, and they're playing frickin' Nate Gary right now at the linebacker position when they could have had L.J. Fort playing. Uh, You know, just just give me the rundown on L.J. Fort because it it drives me criminally insane knowing that it's another player that the Eagles signed a free agency to a, a pretty decent contract and just pulled the plug on him almost immediately. He's...
1: Putting himself in good situations to make plays. You know, he's around the football, and good things happen when you're around the football like two fumble recoveries in five games, like a 24 yard fumble recovery touchdown. He's buzzing around the football. He's adequate in coverage. You know, he's capable as a linebacker to make plays all across the field. And this is where the argument of positional value really comes into, uh, pa- into play with Patrick Queen because the Ravens are a linebacker factory, as you mentioned at the top of the show, and do they need to draft some guy in the first round at 28 overall when they can pick up guys like LJ Fort, like all of the history of undrafted linebackers throughout the Baltimore Ravens history, uh, Jamil McClain, Bart Scott uh <clears throat> excuse me um and patrick owasu uh, all these big name guys were undrafted uh, so is there a need for for patrick queen at, at, at a high high round pick well yes and no and uh and you can see the talent in both of these players regardless of the pick because they're both making plays and whatever you can do with this defense is the way to go to more cover lj ford as you'd requested uh, he's as I mentioned, putting himself in great positions, putting himself near the football, and good things happen. You know, the, the more talented and more skilled you are, the more fortunate you become in anything, and he's making himself quite fortunate in 2020.
0: Let's flip sides and go to this offense. Uh, Lamar Jackson, reigning MVP, still, you know, looking fantastic, but I think a lot of people are, you know, clamoring for more from Lamar Jackson just because of everything we've seen from him you know, last season and what he was able to do to burst onto the scene. What do you think it is, you know, that Lamar's kind of taken a a tiny bit of a step back but still looks, you know, the entire part of being the franchise quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens?
1: The lack of weapons is historical with this franchise. They need wide receivers. They need players that can catch the football outside the numbers. And when you don't give your player your your franchise quarterback the tools to succeed they're going to start struggling you saw it with joe flacco he needed more weapons obviously than lamar due to uh there's just a natural god-given talent difference between those two players but you you need multiple wide receivers and that's what the ravens are lacking right now marquise brown is is incredibly talented he looks like he's still recovering from that foot injury that had a multiple screws in his foot. Uh, and Mark Andrews is brilliantly talented, has five touchdowns on the season already as a tight end. But if he's not throwing to Mark Andrews and he's not throwing to Hollywood Brown, he's not really looking at anybody else. Uh, I don't know if there's a trust issue. I don't know if there's a chemistry issue. But the biggest name that's been struggling with Lamar has been Miles Boykin who is 6'4", you know, he's built similar to T. Higgins, who was a first-round, I believe, first-round or early second-round pick from the Bengals, and yet the production in his second season is not there. He's not catching the football. He's not getting open, or if he's getting open, Jackson hasn't trusted him enough, or the Reeds haven't been there. And outside of them, there's not really this big talent threshold, and this is the greatest gap between – the best team in the NFL, the Kansas City Chiefs, and arguably the second best team in the NFL, the the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, you see it with uh, teams all over the league. Russell Wilson has people that he can he can go cook with. You know, he's got DK Metcalf. He's got these talented wide receivers that that can catch passes and make plays. And uh, the Ravens are lacking in that department.
0: And it seems like the Ravens are trying to kind of replicate what the Chiefs do. They've got the big tight end in Mark Andrews. They've got Marquise Hollywood-Brown uh, to kind of be you know, that Tyreek Hill position. Mm-hmm. They drafted Devin Duvernay this year, another type of speed guy. Uh, it kind of seems like they're just trying to mimic what the Chiefs do and obviously the Chiefs have the overarching talent factor uh, across the board, but I mean, it, it seems like if If they just got one more big piece onto this offense, it would be that much more lethal for the Ravens
1: completely agree that's been the discussion with my staff that's been the discussion uh, along all Ravens nation essentially uh, everybody and the problem is everybody wants just to find a plug and play fix and it's Oh, the Ravens should have signed Antonio Brown. Oh, the Ravens should have signed Des Bryant. And then on the defensive side, uh, you know, it's uh, oh, the Ravens should have got Jadevian Clowney. They should have got this pass rusher. It's all about, they just want to be able to culminate all these pieces quickly and fix this offense quickly and sometimes there's no easy fix it's you got to be able to develop the talent and the ravens have not proven they can develop any wide receiver talent tory smith was the best drafted player that turned into a uh, wide receiver in the nfl and he was good he was more than serviceable he started he played for the eagles i believe he won a super Sensational bowl with them with the eagles yes exactly sensational and he's but that's the best wide receiver drafted by the ravens that's ever been developed by the ravens and that's that's an issue meanwhile the opponent the rival pittsburgh steelers churn out seventh round picks into Mm -hmm. thousand yard 10 touchdown receivers and it's great that you can produce linebackers but it's not as good as producing star level wide receiver talent for your quarterback to be able to get down the field and drive down. Because when the Ravens get down and they, they abandon this run game, you got to have guys that are going to get open. You got to have guys that can move the chains through the air. And Lamar Jackson's got to be able to deliver the football to them. Like you said, they're one weapon away, one true weapon away from being a lethal offense that can scare you through multiple different areas of attack.
0: And I don't know if it's feasible for the Ravens. I'm not sure of the cap situation, but, I mean, there's a guy in Chicago right now that would look damn good in that offense.
1: Completely agree there. The discussion that I've had and my staff has had is with the Cowboys, with Dak Prescott's unfortunate injury, terrible injury, hope he's doing well, Uh, the the availability of Michael Gallup Mm. is interesting because they have a surplus of talent there. They got CD Lamb, Amari Cooper, they're locked up. Michael Gallup's on a cheap contract and it's 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 coming up soon and he deserves to get paid some money. And what better way to get a pick, get get some talent, get some more talent on your team by sending away Michael Gallup, your third best wide receiver? arguably on the roster for the Ravens to get probably their most talented one for, uh, for all, you know, intents and purposes, Hollywood Brown's great, but Gallup has proven he's an NFL receiver. And not to say that Hollywood hasn't, it's just, you've seen what the skill of Gallup is over a couple of seasons now, whereas Hollywood's only had one and he's going to grow. And I think that's a unique possibility because he was linked to the Ravens a little bit in the draft a couple years back when, when Gallup was uh, was up for being picked. And uh, on top of that, I am attending Colorado State University, and he's from this school, so it would be real nice to have him as a Raven. It, it, it <laughs> for selfish Michael, reasons.
0: It would get Michael Gallup out of the NFC East. I mean, it, I think this yeah. is a win-win. <laughs> you're thrilled. Yeah, you're thrilled. <laughs> and I feel like with you know Marquise Hollywood-Brown, He's the type of receiver that needs, you know, that other big presence opposite of him for him to go to work and be, you know, the effective wide receiver that we all know he can be.
1: And that's what I would agree with, too. It's not that he's not talented because obviously he is. But having somebody opposite that can also garner attention so your defense doesn't say, hey, all we have to do is guard this dude deep and guard guard their tight end with two guys and bracket them. They can't throw. But when you have somebody on that opposite side that's dangerous, that can make plays and move the chains or even score touchdowns and break off a chunk play, you don't get to focus on only two guys in the passing department. You're able to do so much more. And that's what the Ravens need.
0: Reminds me very much of a Deshaun Jackson situation.
1: Very much so. Absolutely agree. That's the comparison for Hollywood lately uh, across the NFL.
0: Yeah. How much if at all does this offensive line miss retired Marshall Yonda
1: every single day all the time I pray and miss him um, <laughs> Yonda's my man I, I loved talking to him at, at training camp God he's so smart and he's down you know he's just this big dude that loved loved being a competitor he was so fun to watch uh, and I, I've said this on pretty much every, every podcast I've done over this season since his retirement was there's no play in the playbook anymore. That's run behind number 70 on three break. That's it. That that wasn't it. There's there's no just run behind the right guard and get four yards. Uh, Tyree Phillips is a rookie. He has taken over at right guard next to Orlando Brown Jr. at right tackle. And they've both done a good job, but there isn't this dominant guy that, that the guard would chip with the right tackle and then get to the linebacker and seal the edge and all of a sudden you got Mark Ingram blowing through the right side gap for 15 yards or you got Justice Hill, the like Gus Edwards plowing straight through up the up the, the main gaps it's no longer like that uh, and and he's greatly missed
0: and speaking of the running backs you know when you brought up Mark Ingram has 5 touchdowns i was kind of shocked because it seems like the ravens running game like you said earlier When they get down, they kind of abandon the run game a bit. Um, They added J.K. Dobbins. You know, it seems like he's still trying to figure some things out and still trying to get going, but it doesn't seem like he's getting the opportunities to get going.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, it was Mark Andrews with five receiving touchdowns. Yeah, but Ingram only has two, uh, which – both of them have been, I believe, goal-line carries. And the running game is not going. It's 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 been a little bit of a grind. And there's been a lot of frustrations with J.K. Dobbins because he was this heralded second-round pick that th- that Eric DaCosta, GM, said they couldn't believe he was still there. He was their best running back on the board. And he was this first-round talent. And they had to go after him. And where is this first round talent where's this dominant runner where's this guy with breakaway speed are they are they holding him back for this end of the season push and are they running mark ingram early because ingram's looked like he's hit that 30-year wall a little bit Mm -hmm. where you just you you just don't have that speed strength or explosive burst anymore and why are you waiting so long to put somebody else in there the argument against this is the ravens have still won uh put up 30 plus points in all games, save the KC game. They've been beating all their opponents by double digits, and there's no reason to open up the playbook past chapter, you know, you know the second page or the third page when you're still blowing teams out by 14 plus points on almost a weekly basis. It doesn't feel as dominant as last season because the Ravens simply steamrolled everybody in their path after they lost to the Browns in week 4, but it's a little aggravating to watch a, a run game you expect to gain at least a hundred yards. No, it's not two hundred every game like it was last season, but you expect them to find some find a few first downs in a row for you know through that uh, that style of football that they're expected to play, but it's not coming easy anymore. Part of that's Yonda, part of that's the running back group, and the way they're utilizing the stable of four running backs right now.
0: How much do you think the addition of Marty Morninweg back to the Eagles coaching staff kind of helps them game plan for this Ravens team
1: that's a little bit interesting um I miss Marty he was hilarious by the way man alive um (laughs) 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 but uh I don't think it's gonna be too much yes they know he knows the talent that's in in Baltimore um that's a slight edge of course just being more knowledgeable of the personnel there on a on a Personal level, in fact, and knowing their likes and dislikes, maybe and helping them coach and and uh, knowing what they prefer and their tendencies, that's going to be important. But I wouldn't say it's this—they got him dead to rights because he knows everything in and out of the out of the facility. Uh, but I'd say there's a little bit of an advantage, of course. Hard not to say that.
0: After watching what this Ravens defense did against Cincinnati, who has a terrible. <laughs> Awful offensive line that's going to get Joe Burrow killed. Uh, mm-hmm. The Eagles' offensive line is not much better right now. They are injured, they are banged up, and it all starts with Lane Johnson. Uh, when he's not in games, Carson Wentz seems to struggle. Hopefully, he's able to play this week. You know, he's been dealing with that ankle injury, but how do you see? You know, looking at how this Ravens defense is playing. How is there any possible way this Eagles offense can take advantage of it and and find ways to score on it? because i I just can't find a way right now?
1: I really don't know. Um, not to sound biased, but no, not at all. The Ravens, the Ravens defense is terrifying. And if you don't have the offensive line to compete with them, it's not going to be fun. Joe Burrow was sacked. Seven times, I believe, and five of them came from their secondary, the first time in NFL history that five sacks came from DBs. It was five different uh, corners and safeties that got to them. Jimmy Smith, Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, and both safeties, Deshaun Elliott and Chuck Clark, all got a sack in the last game because of the unique blitz concepts. And Carson Wentz is a, is no longer looking like that MVP self that I remember seeing a few years back. It's been a long time since we've seen that he has only four touchdowns thrown, I believe to seven interceptions last I saw Eight eight now. Oh mercy. And that is, That is not a a recipe for success against the Ravens. You don't have a talented offensive line. Lane Johnson, if he does play, is likely not 100%. And what's he going to have to defend? What's he going to have to protect against? Calais Campbell and Matt Judon. And if there's going to be some stunts, there's going to be some blitzes, and and running at 80% in the NFL just is not doable for many guys outside of the upper echelon of talent. Johnson's likely in that group, but it's still going to be tough when you got to go against these bigger guys. You know, the Ravens front is scary and uh, the sacks and the blitz concepts and the talent of this Ravens secondary is going to cause headaches for Carson Wentz and the offensive coordinator.
0: And I think the the biggest thing I take away from this is the two options that I would see any success for Carson Wentz to move the ball down the field would be, Mm -hmm. you know, halfback options to Miles Sanders, which for whatever reason, Doug Peterson has not thrown the ball to Miles Sanders this season. And he gets like 10 touches and then it's done. You know, on on Sunday against the Steelers, I think he had 11 carries for 80 yards and one of those carries was the 74 yard touchdown run. So, I mean, it's really strange the way the running game is going for the Eagles right now. And Miles Sanders is clearly the best player on the field utilize him. Don't know why it's not happening. And then Zach Ertz this season has just been completely lost. I have no clue what it is. Me personally, I think it's the the entire contract negotiation issue Mm -hmm. has just gone completely to his head. Uh, And you know, Zach Ertz is a guy that you would think the Eagles would want to utilize in a matchup like this and use that physicality he brings, but I just haven't seen it at all this season and I don't know if we'll see it again because like you said, this Ravens defense is terrifying.
1: Yeah, um, is Goddard uh, healthy? Is he playing? I, I haven't been able to see lately um, he's what he's been with. Is on IR looking.
0: with a fractured ankle.
1: Gotcha. Okay, so that's what I was wondering. I, I couldn't quite remember. Um, but yeah, that's that's incredibly unfortunate. Yeah, that's that's a guy that uh, the Eagles definitely need to get going if they want to be successful against the Ravens uh, because. He's he's savvy. He's a little you know he's he's a little bit of a vet, and he's able to make some smart plays against a young linebacker group and take advantage of you know Malik Harrison, Ravens rookie linebacker, Patrick Queen, Ravens rookie linebacker. Maybe even pull a couple plays over on uh, L.J. Fort and the like. Make those uh, you know make him uh, feel bad for his tweets saying that he's finally in the right spot and you know getting an opportunity. Uh, make make the most of your opportunity and punish them. Uh, that would be a huge way to uh, move the chains. Another one is the Ravens got pummeled on screens against Kansas City, uh, likely because all week the Ravens were... You have to get to Patrick Mahomes. You have to tackle him, or the Raven, or we're not going to win. There's no way around it. And what did Andy Reid do? He called seven different styles of 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 screen passes. He did one to the right, one to the left. He did a fake one to the right, fake one to the left, and then a tight end up the seam with Travis Kelsey. He had the Ravens spinning in circles, trying to figure out where the hell the ball was going to go. So you got to be able to put the Ravens on their heels. If you let them pin the ears back, all these cliches. They're going to tackle you, they're going to hurt Carson Wentz, and they're going to get some interceptions, some takeaways, some forced fumbles. you got to move the pocket a little bit. Get him outside there so the Ravens can't just run downhill. you got to pursue him. Uh, Matt Judon and Tyus Bowser have missed a couple sacks, and even Clayus Campbell, because the because the pocket's moving, and it allows a little bit of mobility. And Carson Wentz has some mobility, I'd argue. So uh, get him freed up to try and uh, extend the play. Because while the Ravens secondary is incredibly talented, you still have the opportunity to uh, extend those, those seconds that you got to try and cover these, these fast, talented wide receivers. And uh, it's not easy the longer the play goes
0: on, as we know. Yeah, and it seems Carson Wentz has found uh, a future Hall of Famer in one Travis Fulghum. Uh, mm-hmm. The past couple of weeks, who do you ex- do you expect him to get? You know the Marlon Humphreys treatment.
1: Uh, Marlon, it doesn't seem to be the guy that you know matches up with the number one. I think the Ravens really like doing the right cornerback with the left cornerback, and they put them opposite of each other. Uh, maybe they flip the field a little sometimes, but it's not Marlon just tracking down. Uh, the number one, whoever that is, every week. One thing you, you'll was, likely get some of those plays, though I guarantee you that oh, you'll yeah. get some of those plays. <laughs> Especially now that there's
0: you know multiple game films out on them, they're they're gonna mm-hmm. do whatever they can to stop him. One mm-hmm. thing that does you know give me a little bit of hope is the Eagles are you know getting after the quarterback. They lead the NFL in sacks, if I'm not mistaken, or they're in the top three going into week five. They led the league in sacks. How do you expect this Ravens offensive line to, you know, contain guys like Malik Jackson, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, and now Josh Sweat and Brandon Graham?
1: Uh, nervous about that. The Ravens offensive line has done well, but there's some—they're banged up. Uh, Ronnie Stanley, the franchise left tackle, he's been dealing with some injuries and he missed a—he missed a game against Washington. Uh, Orlando Brown Jr. looked all right. Uh, Tyree Phillips, the right guard, he missed last week. And I, I'd be cautious to see if he misses it uh, another week after that. Uh, the Ravens have done well with their the left side of the field with Ronnie Stanley with with Bradley Bozeman. Even though, as I as I mentioned previously, Stanley being a little banged up, but overall, uh, Lamar's gonna have to get the ball out quick. The Ravens are gonna have to get those guys off kilter. Just those same. Uh, ideas that I that I'd mentioned about playing against uh, the Ravens defense you got to move the pocket you got to make them make a decision and give them only a few options because if you let them just run down they're going to get to Lamar he's not going to be able to throw it and uh, the best way to do so is cover Humphrey excuse me cover Hollywood Brown cover Mark Andrews and uh and send a couple extra and, pretend, and defend against those two guys uh, more specifically in the passing game.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, going into this game, up until the Eagles play the Seahawks later on in the season, this is really the first time they've faced a truly mobile quarterback all year. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Dwayne Haskins, he can move a little bit, um, but he can't throw, as well as Lamar can. Jared Goff is right. mobile a little bit. Joe Burrow can, you know, make some things happen with his legs, but... Lamar is the true you know definition of a mobile quarterback in my opinion. I'm I'm intrigued to see how they kind of attack the way Lamar moves out of the pocket runs with the ball because unlike the Ravens who have a plethora of linebackers, the Eagles have absolutely zero. They might as well go out on the field with zero linebackers because it's the same exact thing going on. Um, and that's why I think you know the importance of this Eagles pass rush and you know the defensive line is going to be one of the ways that the Eagles try to stick in this game because if Lamar can get the ball out quick to Mark Andrews, you know, in the middle of the field, it's it's going to be a long afternoon for the Eagles.
1: Yeah, you, you, uh, you said it pretty succinctly there. Lamar's capable of running around the pocket uh, and he's dealing with a little bit of a knee injury. Uh, so I think watching the Bengals defense film from last week will actually show a lot of what they need to do because lamar didn't really run and uh and he he uh he had a poor throwing game too he hit he had a few Bengals linebackers right in the chest and fortunately the ravens did not have more takeaways and jackson didn't have more interceptions than he had uh, uh touchdowns the other day it was it was a little strange to watch jackson had a uh, quite a dud, uh, even though the game was quite a
0: blowout. Now, I know the Ravens played against the Chiefs, but it was announced today that the Eagles will be allowing fans in the stands. Do you think that changes anything at all? I mean, it's, it is it is 7,500 fans, uh, which I still think is way too many uh, in mm-hmm. the current state of the country. But, you mm-hmm. know, does that change anything in your perspective, knowing that there will be, you know, live fans in the stands? Not
1: really. I think that's too few of fans to alter a game or make anything uh, more of an adv- of an advantage for the Eagles. Let's be real. Eagles fans are probably going to be uh, harping on their own team if Very things true. go south really quickly, and uh, if if uh, if Wentz on the first drive throws an interception, or if there's a fumble recovered by the Ravens, uh, the Eagles fans are are uh, quick to cast judgment on their team because they expect a, a certain amount of football to be played and a certain level of football to be played. And when that's not up to their expectation, they get a little testy.
0: Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> if, if you had to, you know, look at this Ravens team, look at the Eagles as well, X factor in this one that could swing the game one way or another, who are you looking at from the Ravens side of things? And then from your perspective, from the Eagles, who do you think could be, you know, a game-changing force against this Ravens team?
1: Uh. If it if we want to just name any player, it's going to be Marlon Humphrey on defense. I He's going to be that X factor. Uh, if you want a more underrated one, you could probably go with uh, like Tyus Bowser, who's been the opposite edge rusher of Matt Judon and the rest of the group. He's been playing great in a contract year, making the most of his opportunities. And and uh, if they're going to use a lot of talent to. Uh, cover lane john excuse me if they're going to cover uh, matt judon and clayas campbell Tyus Bowser has been the guy that's been in the one-on-one situations and he's got a couple sacks to his name so far on offense uh it's going to be mark andrews the eagles are down any linebacker talent <laughs> and where has mark andrews thrived in in the middle of the field against linebackers he's got five receiving touchdowns and uh He's gonna be the guy that Jackson continues to throw to until people continue like until opposing defenses force him to stop. You until he's until he can't make the plays, he's gonna keep throwing to him. Uh, and that's that's the way it's gonna be.
0: Tyus Bowser might be one of the best football names I've ever heard in my entire life. It's really
1: fun when he gets a sack because we get to just get a post Bowser gifts from Mario that's and so good. uh it's been super fun man oh yeah uh and he's been a great player he works his butt off and uh uh overall just a hard-working guy
0: and he's great got name great name great number great name. for a line uh-huh. to 54 yeah. with bowser on the oh yeah. that is, that's yep. just money yeah he's, absolutely he's probably gonna he's great. destroy us i'm waiting <laughs> it. Uh, yeah
1: he's got two sacks on the year maybe he'll have maybe he'll match his uh Uh, season career high of five by this game's end if uh, things work out right
0: yeah I would not be shocked if this Ravens (laughs) linebacking core and defensive line somehow walk away with an NFL record for sacks in a game because I'm absolutely petrified of them you know I was scared of the Steelers defense last week and somehow we found a way to uh neutralize them a bit but we just couldn't keep up on offense and uh you know this Ravens defense scares me even more so it's it's gonna be a long smart. it's gonna be a long afternoon uh, at Lincoln yeah. Financial Field, to say the least. <laughs> Kyle, you're the absolute best. Let everybody know where they can check you out on social media. Check out everything you do for uh, Baltimore beatdown as well.
1: All right. So my personal account is at BB underscore Kyle P Barber. You can follow Baltimore Beatdown on Twitter at BmoreBeatdown. Please go check out BaltimoreBeatDown.com and their podcast as well after you're done listening and subscribing to Kyle's here. Uh, great content, by the way, my man. And uh, check out the website, check out our podcast, and uh, enjoy the ones you're already listening to.
0: Absolutely, man. It's going to be a, uh, a fun weekend for Ravens fans. Uh, because I have no faith in this Eagles team to walk away with a win. They're more than likely going to be 1-4-1 and going into a short week against the Giants. And, is that good
1: uh, for first place in the NFC East still, though?
0: Uh, now with Andy Dalton playing for the Cowboys, there's potential for anything to go, and I'm totally convinced this Eagles team is going to win the division at 5-10-1.
1: Oh, I'm rooting for it. That that's a great story.
0: <laughs> it's gonna be ridiculous. You're the absolute best, man. Keep doing what you're doing, and I'm sure we'll talk, uh, you know, during the game and everything. But uh, best of luck. Not that the Ravens need it, because you guys are absolutely going <laughs> you guys are going to torch us.
1: Sounds good. Thank you very much, Kyle. Cheers.
0: I know I'm not optimistic, but there you have it, Eagles fans. The other KB, the Baltimore beatdown KB, agrees with my assessment. This Eagles team doesn't have a prayer on Sunday. And if they somehow come out and win just at our old friend freezing cold takes, friend of the show. Because uh I I just don't see how the Eagles offense can stand up against that Ravens defense. They are easily the best defense in the NFL right now. From top to bottom, position group to position group, that Ravens defense is terrifying. And with with no healthy offensive line for the Eagles, you know, sure, Jason Kelsey and Jordan Mylotta are healthy, but they're so young and inexperienced, haven't played together much. If Lane Johnson misses this game, it's all but over, um, because Carson just doesn't play well when Lane Johnson is not in the game. So, take that for what you will. I mean, I could be completely wrong and the Eagles somehow muster out a win on Sunday, but... I would be totally shocked to see that final score be in favor of the Eagles. I fully expect them to be 1-4 and 1 after this game. Sure, you can call me negative, you can call me being, you know, uh, you know, down in the dumps on this team after a loss to the Steelers, but the Eagles have shown me nothing as a complete team that would prove to me that they can go out and beat the Baltimore Ravens right now. The Ravens are in a different stratosphere, and uh, you know. After that, it's a short week against the Giants, so hopefully that's a get-right game. But for Sunday, if you are going to the game because it was announced that 7,500 fans will be able to be in attendance, if you are going to the game and you listen to the show, please, 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 be careful. Do the right things. Follow the protocols don't be idiots, you know, COVID-19 is a a serious, serious thing, if you listen to the show and follow along, you know it's affected my family directly and personally, um, so I take this shit completely serious, take it seriously if you are, follow the guidelines, don't be dumb, and, uh, yell at Nate Gary for me, (laughs) yell at Nate Gary as much as possible, um, Again, like I said, if the Eagles somehow muster out a win, I will do unspeakable things. But I just don't see how it happens, and I think the Eagles will fall to 1-4-1 going into a short week uh, against the Giants on Thursday Night Football. But they take on the Ravens, and you guys should be following my man Kyle Barber from the Baltimore Beatdown Ravens SB Nation blog. He does a fantastic job covering the team. Their work over at Baltimore Beatdown is second to none. So make sure you're checking them out over at SB Nation, Baltimore Beatdown. Follow Kyle on Twitter. Make sure you're listening to the Baltimore Beatdown podcast as well. Leading into this week, they do a fantastic job covering the Baltimore Ravens. Make sure you guys are checking out our content as well. That's why you're listening to the show, you know? Check us out, Twitter and Instagram, at UndergroundPHI. You can follow me on Twitter, at KBIZZL311. And make sure you guys are following all of our football-related shows at Fourth and Goal USP for fantasy football news and info, and at Bet Underground for all your betting needs. But like I said, main show at Underground PHI. Tweet us with the hashtag Eagles Enemies with your predictions, who you think could be a game changer and X factor on either side of the ball in this game to potentially help the Eagles win. And uh, make sure you guys. Check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, twitch.tv slash underground is where you get all of our live shows. And uh make sure you guys are subscribed to the podcast. Leave those five star ratings and reviews. Let us know how you feel about this game, what your emotions are right now at this point of the season for the Eagles, with the hashtag Eagles Enemies in your five-star rating or review. Remember, guys, it's five stars only because we have standards. We know you do too, and we know your standards or five stars only. You can check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. And we'll be back on a short week checking out the the New York football Giants. It's always a blast talking Giants. Uh, But again, big shout-out to my man KB, Kyle Barber, from the Baltimore Beatdown for hopping on the show this week. Always fun catching up with him. And uh, it's going to be a rough one, but as they always say, go Birds. Thanks for listening to another edition of Eagles Enemies presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia. I'm your host, KB. We are signing off. Go Birds.